this tent There you are You're running for your life You're a shooting star And all the years No one knows Just how hard you worked But now it shows In one shining moment It's all on the line One shining Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coach Kevin Furtado. Hey, if you want to know who are the best high school basketball coaches and leaders in our country are, you need to stay tuned and listen to the Championship Vision Podcast. We have some of the most renowned and best high school basketball coaches and PE teachers from around the country. Coaches you might not have heard of but have amazing ideas. And I firmly believe every coach in America has genius within them. It's not all about the state championships. It's about the impact you have on your kids and your community. So stay tuned to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coaches, how are you? Welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coach Kevin Furtado. Today we have episode 149 with Coach Todd Monzi. Todd Monzi uh, just completed his first year at Frisco Lone Star High School in Frisco, Texas. His team had a 23-10 record and a regional tournament appearance. Prior to joining the Rangers, he was a varsity assistant at Mansfield Timber- Timberview High School for five seasons. Wyatt Timberview High School, Coach Monzi's team made the regional finals four straight years and advanced to the state championship game in 2017 and again in 2018. His coaching career began in 2005 at Midway High School in Texas. Over his nine seasons there, he coached every level from middle school to the head coach. In 2009, his final as a varsity assistant, they won the 2009 4A state championship. Coaches, I'm so excited to be uh, interviewing another Texas high school, um, really good coach out there. And uh, he got definitely was recommended to me uh, by Terry Morrison, um, who I interviewed uh, not too long ago. And uh, he comes highly respected. He's being part of and built a lot of programs there in the Texas area. So I'm going to pick his brain on what it takes um, on building a program and what he's doing right now at Frisco Lone Star High School. So let's welcome Coach Todd Monzi. Hey, man, can you hear me? Hey, Coach, how are you? I'm doing really well. Sorry about good, that. Good. I got it synced up to the computer. Uh, just tell me if uh, audio has any problem with that at all. No, uh, it sounds good to me. Uh, how Am I okay with you? Oh, sounds great, man. You sound ready to go. I'm, okay, good. I'm still recovering, man. <laughs> oh, you know, man. It's it's tough when you uh, come out of the dentist and so forth. We got to do what you have to do, man. It's, it's so different now under the virus, man. I feel like I'm going, you know, to a big-time surgery. <laughs> well, when you said yesterday that you were going to the dentist this morning, I thought to myself – man, when I go to the dentist, I'm not sure that I'm willing to do anything 
acting, <laughs> let alone a lot of talking. So, right. Yeah. I, I kind of knew that, but I said, ah, maybe I'll, you know, we always think coaches, we always think we can handle everything, but no, uh, I couldn't move my mouth. <laughs> um, so, uh, hey, I appreciate you being patient with me and uh, welcome to our podcast, Todd. You came highly recommended from um, Coach Morrison. And uh, she definitely recommended you and so forth. And I have a lot of respect for her. So welcome again. I appreciate it. She's a, uh, she's uh, I've learned a lot from her and, uh, and uh, it's always good uh, for her to think I'm doing a good job. I've worked really hard at it. So. Yeah. What a smart lady though. I mean, she, um, she had a lot of success and she's doing a lot of great things out there in um, New Mexico. I'm kind of jealous where she lives out there in the mountains, man. It sounds pretty nice. Yeah, you know, um, when I first met Terry, I thought I was doing a really good job of coaching. And <laughs> um, and then I realized that there are so many more levels that I needed to uh, to work to get to. So she um, she certainly sets a really high standard uh, and I've, I've learned a lot. But, yeah, she uh, she lives kind of a dream life out there uh, right now where she gets to go on long hikes and coach basketball all day. It sounds uh, it sounds pretty ideal. Oh, no doubt. I mean, I can't, I mean, I, I'm hoping I ever get to that point, but I'm not sure if I'll ever retire. <laughs> hey, but Todd, tell me about um, your experience growing up. Cause I always find out a lot about people, like how they grew up, how they got started in the game, how you created this love for the game and really kind of how you develop it into what you're doing now. Sure. You know, um, I'm a small school guy. <laughs> um, I grew up in a, in a small town in Texas, um, when I was there, it was a it was a one A high school, which meant we had approximately a hundred to one hundred and fifteen kids in high school. Mm -hmm. um, so really small. And uh, and my dad was a coach and a and a high school principal. My mom was a, spe a special ed teacher. And so um, you know, from the moment that we could walk, we were at sporting events. Um, well, before we could walk, probably. And uh, we were raised on the bus with the athletes and uh, fed concession stand food. And, you know, we that's how we were raised. It's all it's all we've ever known. And, um, you know, uh, a lot uh, a lot of people would want to get out of that life. But I just found it uh, to be exactly what I wanted to do. So my dad worked at the same school um, for for almost 40 years. Uh, was the was the boys basketball coach then went over and coached girls for a while with my sister and then came back to boys and and uh, when I was ready when I graduated from high school they hired me at 18 to coach middle school sports <laughs> uh, so I coached middle school before school and then mm -hmm. I went to college uh, in the afternoons and I came back and, and worked you know different events so this is uh you know I've lived my entire life in a gym uh, and uh I learned a lot from that small school setting that, that I still try and keep and use and in, in, in our practices, you know, today. You know, it's funny, you grow up in a small community and I've worked in, I, I, I didn't grow up in a small community, but I've worked in a lot of them. And basically you got your coaching experience by growing up in that type of community, didn't you? Oh yeah. You know, when you're young, you get mad because uh, your dad has to watch film on Saturday um, instead of, you know, playing with you. 
Um, but then before long, you find yourself watching film and uh, using the cowboy remote and, and, you know, listening to coaches talk about X's and O's and how to adjust. And so by the time I was in high school, mentally, I, I knew so much more about the game than, than I ever thought possible. Um, and so it's, but like you said, the community raised us and, um, and we learned so much just by being in that environment constantly. Um, now as a parent and a coach, I, I have a better appreciation for all the work that, that I didn't see my dad doing, um, you know, that I now know takes place. Yeah, there's a lot of behind the scenes. And not only that, you're kind of learning what your dad and your parents did it uh, as parents. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you until you become a parent, you really don't know, right? <laughs> you, you know, we we had some of the best role models that we ever could have asked for in life, you know, in those high school athletes. And and what I didn't realize at the time, but I realize now <clears throat> is, is the girls, uh, the young women on our team are my daughter's role models. And so part of coaching them is, is making sure that they're being the person that I want her to be around. And, uh, and so um, it's not just about making sure that we're prepared and doing those types of things, but when you have to take your kids there and, and they grow up like we did in the gym with those high school kids, uh, it takes on a different level of coaching and, and preparation uh, so that you can put them in such a great environment. Yeah, so true. And basically what you're doing, I mean, you're, you're trying to create a family atmosphere. And I think a lot of us, we talk about it, but are we really demonstrating and emulating that to our players, right? So, I mean, you're definitely trying to do that. Yeah, you know, our, um, our principal, at, at, this is my first year at Lone Star High School, and, I, and our principal, uh, Karen Kraft, came to us and said that we as a campus um, are going to adopt one word as individuals and one word as a campus mm-hmm. that will represent us. And this, this past year, our, um, our campus word was the word family. Um, we want our 2,100 kids at Lone Star High School to know that they have a strong support uh, Rangers support Rangers. And that's not just from our student section uh, to Friday night football games, but, but all of our events um, from UIL academic uh, to fine arts, to, to athletics, to, you know, just walking down the hallway. So the family atmosphere uh, is something that, that preached and reached out to me when, when we were looking at this position um, because that's um, that's, it's so important to me as an individual and so, yeah, we, we, um, that's one of the things that we talk about every day is the word family and, and how families, uh, come together and how families work together and how they, uh, how they critique themselves and how they make themselves better. Uh, and, and, you know, um, so yeah, we, um, we're at a 5A high school that feels like the small town that I grew up in, uh, centered around that word family. Yeah, that's a great point. I, and I, and this is a little bit off topic, but a topic, but it really kind of says a lot about what what you and what coaches should look for, right? You should find the right fit, even though it's not a small school. It has those small school qualities. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, you know, um, every every school that I've worked at has has felt different, 
and they've all been exactly where I needed to be at the time in life that I was at. Uh, and for where I am in my career, there, uh, there wasn't a better, uh, as you said, a better fit for, uh, for me uh, and, the, and the culture that we're, we're trying to establish. Yeah, it's so important. And I think a lot of coaches make the mistake of, hey, man, I'm going where I'm going to the biggest school. I'm going to the most talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, that all sounds good. Right. But for, uh, you know, experienced coaches, that's not it's not all what it, it's cracked up to be. Right? I mean, you can you can go to the wrong school, even though it has maybe a lot of great players. in. It. Yeah. Um, you know, we're high school coaches, so we <clears throat> we coach whoever comes through the door. And um, if you're if you're only looking at the the current talent in the building, um, you're really limiting your success and your opportunities. And so, um, it, it, at least in my opinion, you can't you can't chase talent. You've got to create culture and build relationships and and develop talent. Yeah, and I love that. And this is what you're going to do for me today, because every coach I get, I want to find out, man, what does what does Todd Monzi do to build his program? But before we do that. I want to get your feedback because everybody's watching the last dance, right, Todd? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I want to throw something. There's some great, that last, the last two um, chapters, I call it the last two programs. Jordan gets emotional when he's talking about this is how I do it. Whether you like it or not, I'm going to play to win. And winning has a price. Leadership has a price. That's true, isn't it? So what, what do you think about that statement? You know, um, lots of people want to go meet the official at the jump circle before the game. They want to be presented as the captain of the team. Um, But that responsibility holds uh, much weight. And not just does it hold weight, but it holds, uh, it requires consistency of work. And so, Every leadership uh, style for each individual is completely different. But, but for us, we want you to be authentic to who you are and your personality. But the most important thing is we want consistent leadership. Um, and, and there's going to be times that people aren't going to like what you say or, or, or when it is said. But we're going to be honest and, and, and we're going to be and we're going to know that the person that's communicating to us um, has put in the work. Um, you can't mm. you can't lead if you don't work. And so, you know, at, at growing up uh, when we did in, in the height of the Jordan era, uh, I, I know what it felt like at the time. But to see his <laughs> perspective of it now, uh, it certainly gives you a, a, an eye opening experience. Um, and, uh, there's been lots of dialogue about, you know, could he have led this way now? What does that look like now? Could he have been as successful? Those types of things. Um, and so I think that's why we preach being authentic. I think he was authentic to himself and, and, you know, yeah. and, you know, he works hard. And so I think those two things allowed him to be a tough, demanding leader. Yeah, and of course, that authenticity, I think, will carry over to any generation, right? Oh, so I don't think there's any generation, of course. I mean, he was just an absolute, just unbelievable player with tremendous will to win. Man, isn't that what we're preaching in our players? Not necessarily maybe 
to his level. But man, we're trying to preach that, right? To do it in the right way, though. But you got to have that will to win. Yeah. Um, lots of people say things like uh, when they're talking about a will to win, well, that kid's a winner, or, you know, that kid has a desire or a passion to be great. Um, but, but really, we're all, we're all on the outside. Uh, we're all just thinking and putting our perspective on that individual. But, you know, only Michael Jordan really knows how competitive he is and how far he's willing to go and those types of things. And so, you know, when we think about that, we try and get our kids to self-evaluate because, man, it looks like to me she's working hard. But but inside she may she only may be giving me 50 percent. So true. And so I, I think I think that's something you know, that, uh, that we have to be careful of and, and, and aware of, um, is not just what it's perceptionally, but, but our athletes have to evaluate themselves on, on that type of idea. Yeah, that's so true. And I think you're, 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 you're really good coaches like yourself are doing that. You have to make sure that you have to evaluate the kid's heart and mind as well, or, they have to express that to you, which is a sign of a good culture, right? Yeah. You know, we, um, we start every day at the jump circle. That's where games start. Um, okay. And, and so we, we put our toes on the jump circle so that everybody can <laughs> see everybody. And the moment we start practice, we start it with communication. And uh, we take turns communicating. But, but what we do is we open the door at 7 a.m. when practice starts to the line of communication. And uh, because we want our athletes to be confident uh, in knowing that what they say will be respected, will be heard, um, and, and knowing that and giving them that opportunity from the first thing you do in the morning is open the lines of communication. Um, it, it really um, develops that consistency of word and, and, and of, and of expression. So, so yeah, we want our kids to feel comfortable in what they're saying and who they're saying it to and, and, and how it's going to be received. Yeah, that's really well said. And I want you to continue on with that, Todd, talk about your top three program strengths. I already got it. I got a list of them. Um, Kind of talk about in, in any order you want. Just kind of talk about because I always find it interesting. I always think great programs have a priority list, yeah. right? I mean, they got to have a top three. I really believe in that. So, what is your top three? You know, um, not in not in any really particular order, um, but <clears throat> but but one of the things that we preach every day and we do weekly meetings or you know as the season gets going and we're in tournament play, maybe it's every two weeks. Um, but, but the kind of the, one of the things that we're going to, that you're going to know when you see us is that, that our kids and our athletes are going to play only to their strengths. Um, they're going to have a strong sense of who they are as an individual, both as a person, a a leader and a player. And then they're also going to know how they fit into our system. And so, you know, when, when we're talking to college coaches or recruiters about our kids and they'll say things like, well, coach, I've never seen your kid do blank. Um, 
I'll say to them, that's right, because right now we don't deem that as a strength. We deem that as something that's developing. And so you won't see that on film because we've had these communications about, man, you're shooting it really well from the left side of the floor, or man, your one dribble pull-up is, is much more uh, consistent than your two dribble pull-up. And we're having this dialogue constantly about where they're experiencing strengths, where they're struggling, and how to position ourselves to only be in the, in the zones of success and get ourselves out of position um, where we're not uh, having success at that moment. You know, and to, and to see kids ebb and flow through the season, um, because we all know um, that sometimes you shoot it well and sometimes you don't, and sometimes this shot feels better or, or, or you know, what the defense is allowing. And so our number one focus is helping kids understand their strengths, our perspective, their perspective, and what the numbers actually say. Um, because we can have a feel and they can have a feel, but we've got to look at statistical data to, to prove one of us or both of us right or wrong. And so our, for our number one thing that we're going to do is, is we're going to play to our strengths. And then the, the next thing that we do, um, Kevin, is we call it the three E's. We're going to play with effort. We're going to play with energy and we're going to execute. Um, this goes back to Terry Morrison. Um, when I first met Terry, she would tell kids that playing time is determined by effort and execution. Um, and I really liked that idea. Does the kid work hard and can they execute what we're asking them to do? Uh, and when you make it simple like that, um, it's, it becomes a, a, a less uh, concerning. The kid understands. I got to work hard and I got to do what they ask and I got to execute this. And if I can't execute it, I got to work harder at it. And so I took that idea and I added the word energy for to it. So effort for us, we define it as, as, as how hard or the intensity at which you work. But energy, uh, I'm not a science major. In fact, I haven't taken science since high school. But I, I know <laughs> that energy is transferable. And so I can't make someone give effort. But I can give someone energy with a high five, with a positive word, with, a, with an action that brings them along, with encouragement, with accountability. And when we play with energy, we feel better. And therefore, our effort picks yeah. up. And then that allows us to be more confident in our execution. And so those, those two things, uh, you know, the three E's, I'm, I'm going to kind of clump them together, but, but play into strengths and those lines of communication along with effort, energy, and execution are kind of the principles that, that, we, uh, that we live on within our program. Yeah, and tell me a little bit about, um, kind of define for me, uh, what do you mean by execution? Ex executing the skills, the, I'm sure just executing, you know, um, just your basic plan, Yeah, right? you know, um, I, I was uh, writing a letter of reference uh, for a former player today, um, and I, I was calling this kid a, a winner. And, and as I started to create dialogue about what I thought that meant, I thought to myself, you know, when you hear the word winner, everybody's going to define it differently, but we, but we mm -hmm. know what it is when we see it. 
Well, execution is kind of the same, same idea. The way I define it is probably going to be different than how you define it, even though we're both in, 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 in our case, we're, I'm going to call us both successful coaches. Um, and so, you know, for us, execution means um, to understand what's being asked, but then read what's in front of you and make the right decision for the best play in that outcome. And so, you know, we, we run lots of motion and we run sets. Um, and I'd love for our sets always to consistently go to the shot that I want. Um, but we've got to execute when we see what's in front of us. And so for us, uh, execution is, is understanding what's being asked, but also reading what's in front of you and making the, the best decision for that specific moment. Um, and I think that's kind of abstract, but that's the way the game of basketball should be played. And so it's something that we have to grow into. Yeah, and I love that how you're – I always believe in clarity. I think the more more clarity you have with your team, um, I think the better. And that's all about communication, like you said, right, Coach? Um, hey, tell me about – now let's just transition just from that to how do you build – your offensive system. Um, so just kind of take it, you know, like let's, let's, let's take your team for this sure. upcoming year. Cause I know what you're doing right now, Todd, you're probably go, okay, I have this, this, and this, and this is how I'm building my offensive sure. system. So kind of tell us what you're doing right now. You with know, um, we're, we're all in a different time. You know, what, what we would be doing this time of year, <laughs> if we were in the school building every day is so much different than what we're, what we're doing right now. But as coaches, we are preparing for what's next. And so for right. us, uh, we have a, a generalistic idea about, okay, well, we have these kids coming and we think these kids can make the jump to the next level. Um, and if, if those are the seven or eight kids that we're, you know, are going to be our core group, how do we best put them? Um, how do we help them be most successful? And so for us, uh, our offense always starts in a in a two on two, a two on zero setting, and then it goes into a two on two, and then we build from there. Um, it's important to me that kids, uh, that athletes, understand that offense is about relationships, and when she does this, then I need to respond and do that, um, even um, because she's making the decision. Well, coach calls play A, and so she should run play A, but she sees B. So how do I then respond to B? Um, and so we start uh, every offensive day with a two-on-zero or three-on-zero relationship-type movement action. You know, some people call it things like around the horn or dribble drive or, you know, th you know lots of different uh, – catchphrases are out there but for us it's all based on relationship and spacing and I think when athletes can understand when the ball goes here I do blank and we drill it enough that they're confident in their movement it enables offense to uh, expand what actually the coach is is asking um Lots of defenses can stop things when they go from point A to point B to point C, or there's a simple breakdown. But when we, when we teach relationship and spacing, if something breaks down, we still know how to respond 
without allowing us to pull the ball out and reset or allow the defense to reset their stance. So for us right now, we're trying to build individual skills since that's all we can do right now. We're also doing, we're also doing some film work and discussing those types of relationships. Hey, when she drove here, what would have been the best option? Did she pick the best option? You know, some, 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 you know, mental learning. Uh, and then we, as soon as we get them back, we'll start in our two on zeros, three on zeros and start to work on those uh, relationships and, and, and read to understand. Yeah, I love that. Um, I really like that. I actually definitely underline that. I love how you explain offenses about relationships. That's really cool, by the way. I really like that. I'm always looking for innovative ways to express and you're, you're, you're really not talking about basketball. You're talking about life, but you're still, you're still connecting it to the game. I really love how you're doing that. Um, talk a lot about if you have, you look at your personnel and let's say you have uh, obviously some bigs, do you change up your system based on your personnel or do you have like a set system? You know, you we use? have core principles that we want to play with, but, but our teams are going to look differently every year. Um, one year uh, when I was early uh, in my coaching career, we returned to nine kids, but we needed to look different from that year to the next year. Um, and so um, we're going to, we're going to create a, a, an offensive and defensive game plan that allows kids to be at their strengths, you know, and I think, I think lots of coaches have that philosophy of, of playing to, to player strengths but maybe they don't feel comfortable themselves creating change. So therefore we go back to what we're comfortable with and what we're used to this. We know, we know how to coach this. Um, And so, you know, in the mindset of that is you've got to have a staff that's going to hold you as the head coach and you as a staff uh, accountable for, look, this is what we know is best for these athletes in front of us. And there's, it's not going to be easy to create these changes, but in the long run, when it matters most, this is the system that best uh, will suit, will suit them. And so, you know, we're not just looking at what our, what our athletes can, can do, but we're, we're evaluating what our coaching staff um, can do and, and what they can coach well and what we've got to improve on, uh, to make sure that we enable those kids to have their success. Yeah, that was well said because um, I think, I don't think, I think coaches, you're right. They get caught up in their own system instead of, and I think coaches should always be learning how many great coaches that I have interviewed that have won ultra amount of games are changing their offense and defense. Even at after 40 years, I spoke to a recent coach, um, and I said, man, that's, that's really interesting because he's willing to change even after being successful. Right, Todd? I mean, so you're always looking, you gotta, you gotta get to get to your player strengths, like you're saying. So what are you doing, um, this upcoming season and so forth? How are you, even though right now you're not practicing. So give me kind of a sample scheme of what you guys are going to you know, be playing this we're year. We're not going to have a ton of size, but we're going to be really athletic. And so, Um, our goal a year ago was to play fast. Um, when, when I took the job, this is, Hey man, this is how we are going to do it. 
And this is what it's going to look like. But then when you start getting in there and day to day, you realize, okay, man, we're not quite ready to play at that tempo. So we need to adjust. But now, now a year into it, we've got a better understanding of who's there and who's, you know, coming and those types of things. And so for us, um, the idea of playing fast a year ago, um, it's going to seem very slow compared to the tempo that we're hopefully going to play with in this upcoming season. Um, because we're not going to have a lot of size, I think we need to use our athleticism and our speed to our advantage. Um, you know, when you don't, lots of people say, man, I really wish I had a big, uh, man, I wish I had a, a, you know, a great post kid. Um, but some of my most successful teams were the most versatile teams that we could put on the floor um, because it provides mismatch problems. And so I think with our, with our lack of size, um, but our overall team speed and athleticism, we can really use that to create the matchups that we'd like and to keep uh, constant pressure, both of, both of ours, putting defensive pressure on them and applying offensive pressure by, by the tempo in which we transition. Uh, I listened to a speaker just this week talk about their rules for, for how to outlet the ball and who gets the outlet and who doesn't have to outlet and those types of principles where, you know, growing up in that small school, this player took the ball out every time and passed it to this point guard and you always ran the right lane or the middle lane, et cetera. Um, and so when my dad comes to watch us play this year, he may, he may have a little bit of a heart attack in regards to seeing kids um, <laughs> constantly changing right. roles, um, depending on those types of ideas. Yeah, I think the game is actually becoming that, Todd. I think, I think, you're, I think you're exactly right. I think versatility is so important because – uh, it's it's not the old days where you have a six foot girl she's going to be in the paint. No, that six foot girl can get out on the perimeter nowadays and be part of your dribble drive or your. Mo- I mean, I think I think versatility to me is a key aspect of a you know, program. Um, right? It's not always easy to sell players. Everybody says they want to be versatile, <laughs> um, but when you've got a point guard that's five eight and she's really strong and she's being guarded by a five five kid and you tell her look we're going to run this down screen for you. And uh, we want you to set the down screen and post instead of coming off the down screen and catch and shoot. You know, everybody wants to be versatile until you ask them to do something that's outside of what they feel comfortable with. And so um, that's our job as coaches is to, to help them understand why we're doing this and how it's going to benefit them as individuals and us uh, as a team. Because you're right, versatility is where we're going, and and we need to get uh, we need to get on that train. Um, yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And and talk about your sure. defensive system because I think versatility, whether you play man or zone, I'll tell you what I want in a small school. Um, I don't have a lot of choices. You know, I don't get out, and I don't. We don't bring yeah. in players. We yeah. we don't recruit. We take what we have. So I want my, my smalls to be able mm-hmm. to defend the post, and I want them to, to be able to defend on the perimeter. That's versatility on the defensive end. Do we do enough of that yeah. as coaches? Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a defensive coach. And so um, when I was an assistant um, prior to this job, 
our uh, our head coach took the offense and I took the defense and we would joke that we're kind of the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator and and um, you know kind of took a, a football type um, example and um, and so it enables you to focus on one thing and so my first year as an assistant uh, we made it to the regional finals and lost uh, a really close game. And uh, we had a ton of kids coming back and, you know, we've got a, we had a kid that was. Hey, this is NBA skills coach Drew Hanlon of Pure Sweat Basketball, and I'd love to help you get game results this season. Check out a free trial of my Pure Sweat training app on the Google Play and App Store today. Hello, my name is Rory Hamilton. I'm the head girls basketball coach at Norman North High School in Norman, Oklahoma. If you're looking for top-notch basketball coaching instruction and help, look no further than the Championship Vision Podcast with Coach Kevin Furtado. You can listen about our five keys to success at Norman North Girls Basketball, along with many other podcasts at championshipvision.org or listen on Spotify at Championship Vision. Happy hooping. One of the top kids in the country, Um, and we thought, man, if we just stay to what we're doing right now, we are not guaranteed to get one round further. So when you have success, you better, you gotta, you gotta maintain change, um, or somebody else is going to be prepared for your lack of change and versatility. So for us, our defensive schemes change each year, like, like our players do, but what we're going to see um, or what we want to do is we want to provide lots of different looks for the offense so that we keep them out of rhythm. Um, and sometimes you have to teach kids that playing defense isn't just about playing hard. Um, sometimes the best thing to do defensively is to wait, to pause, to read. Um, it's not always about being full speed. And so, but we want to be tough and we want to be physical and, you know, all these words that we want our defense to, to be described as. Um, so, so if you were to come see us uh, next year, Kevin, you're going to see us in the full court, in the three quarter court, in the half court um, on, on sidelines. And, and we're going to look differently uh, every quarter. We're going to look different after timeouts. We're going to look different uh, based on lineups. Um and, and our substitution <clears throat> substitution pattern is also going to dictate what defense we're playing. Yeah, I love that. I, I'm a definitely a big, big believer in mix-up pressure. I love that um, because there's very few – how many guards do you play, Todd, that are really smart and crafty? We don't play a lot. So that's what you're trying to do is keep yeah. them off balance, right? You know, um, after my first year at Timberview, when we got to the regional <laughs> finals and got beat, and we have all these kids coming back, and this is going to sound crazy. And and lots of coaches are going to listen to this and go, what? Um, but we sat down as a staff, and we decided that we're tired of chasing motion offense. And we're tired of, of always fighting this and doing that and every – Every motion offense is different and, you know, all of these types of things um, that, that kids create inconsistency, whether it be fatigue or mentally, et cetera. And the team that had beat us was really good offensively. And so we, we decided, Kevin, that we were not going to let kids dribble with their right hand ever. 
we were going to push everything left. So if that means the ball goes to the middle, it means it goes to the middle. But we're going to make every player beat us with their weak hand. And we play some really elite kids. And it has not always worked uh, uh, on those really elite kids. But what it's done is it forces teams to do things that they're not accustomed to do one time a year. Um, And how much prep time are they going to work on that? And are they going to know all their adjustments as well as we're going to know push left and our rotations? And so we started doing that six years ago, five years ago. And, um, and our kids have really bought into it and um, it provides us an opportunity for that one night uh, that we play that one team um, to give them something that's unaccustomed. Yeah, I love that core principle right there because I really believe you have to have that one key thing that's unique. <laughs> Ours is, Todd, we're going we're gonna to take the point guard completely mm-hmm. out of the offense because we feel like every team's point guard sure. is the heart and soul pretty much. Um, so that's our goal. So we're going to double team. We're going to do whatever you can to take away that point guard. That doesn't mean we're going to beat everybody like you said. So I really love that. By forcing everybody, because I think you're going to force a lot of average players well, and into you know, turnovers. Most kids, you know, in an open gym and an empty setting, work on their weak hand. But against mm-hmm. pressure, naturally, they want to bring it back to their confidence, their confident movement. But if we just stay there and wait, um, it's going to provide us opportunities. Um, but it, it goes back down to consistency and, and buying into the program and the, and the, and the system. And, you know, our, uh, you know, we've had, we've been really blessed to have kids go to the next level, Juco all the way to, you know, power five. And, um, it's inevitable in the fall of their freshman year, we get calls from coaches saying, I wish y'all had never taught them to push left because we have to break <laughs> them of this now. And they've had four years of, of doing it. Um, but that's how strongly we, we believe in it. Um, and when the kids do too, it it really allows you to, to take it to a different level. Yeah. And I appreciate you sharing that with us on that. So if there's any opposing coaches on that, they might, of course, they probably already know that coach, right? Absolutely. Yeah. We, we, we are scouted well. (laughs) Um, but again, it's only one right. night. Can they do it the one night that they're they're needed to do so? So we'll see. So true. So true. Hey, talk about offensive skill, because yesterday I spoke with the uh, high school coach of a kind of a pretty good player, <laughs> Sabrina Inescu. Yeah. Um, she's OK, right? She's o- um, and um, he told me, he says she loved basketball. She was always in the gym because she loved the game on that. And that's how she became great. She wasn't going in there to work on her game. She was going in there because she loved the game. That's the key yeah, to skill development, that, right? That's That goes back to, to us as co- coaches and our perception of what kids are <laughs> versus what they really are. And, um, and, and making sure that we're on the same page in what we think and what they feel and think. And so, <laughs> What what we've learned about skill development um, is that lots of kids hear the phrase, you've got to be in the gym or that kid's in the gym or 
Um, they love the gym. They never, you know, they're always in the gym. They're always, um, but, but what we ask our kids are, what are you doing in the gym? Like, I love when you come early or you stay late or you text and call and say, hey, can you come up? We love that. But what are you doing in the gym when you're in that moment? And so we spend a lot of time, especially in the spring, teaching kids how to work themselves out. Um, in the day where, you know, our athletes have us coach them in the morning and they have skill trainers in the afternoon or summer coaches, um, working with them, you know, our kids are constantly being taught by individuals, but what are they doing for themselves in those moments? Because there are times where we've got kids in the gym where nobody's with them. Are they developing? Do they know what to do? Uh, you know, um, and at what tempo or intensity are they working? Uh, how many times do they check their phone? You know, all of these things, our athletes now need to be taught. Uh, when you were growing up and you went to the gym or I went to the gym, it was just you and a ball. Um, there, there was no, there <laughs> was probably it. no That's music it. or if it was, <laughs> you know, it was something you had to press play on and leave it. Um, you know, where, where these kids have so many things that they bring with them um, into, the, into their workouts, um, you know, are those, uh, are those helping us? Are they becoming distractions? So the first thing we do in regards to skill development is try and help them understand how to develop themselves um, so that when they're like the Sabrina Inescu's of the world that have this deep passion for the game, um, they're, they're enabling themselves to get better rather than just loving the game and being in the gym and not developing. Yeah. And, and kind of give me a sample coach, if you, and this, this sure. is my basic question here is give, give me one skill that is vital to your program. Sure. Now, I know you can yeah. probably say shooting. In ours, it is shooting, but I think uh, footwork is really the key because it's one of the hardest things to teach to me because it's totally neglected. Kids don't work you know, on it. On <laughs> a, a lot of our kids right now, um, we don't have basketball goals at homes. They, they live in apartments or condos or, you know, um, duplexes, yeah. et cetera. And so what this has taught <laughs> us as, as coaches is what do you, what do you what, does your does your player know what to do when they don't have a goal and so we had to create and design workouts that they could do in a in a parking lot or a driveway or you know a living room those types of things so what we're hitting most on right now um, in our footwork type setting is the angle of our first step um, and a lot of people say, oh, she's got a good first step. But no, she's just fast. Um, and when she has to play against somebody else fast, it's not that great of a first step. Um, and so right. we, we believe that that first action is going to either create your success or limit your success. And so um, I'll, be, I'll be interested when we get them back in the gym to see their actual footwork, you know, they're, they're sending us videos and, and they're 
but but are they sending us the worst video? Are they only sending us the video they think that's going to make us happy? But but we, <laughs> right. but we spend a lot of time yeah. on just the first step. Um, and sometimes I tell them, I'm not even going to look at your finish. All I'm looking at is your foot placement, either beside my foot placement, or if we're using cones or trash cans or whatever, you're going to have to develop your own finish for the next seven minutes. I'm going to focus on where is your foot placement? What does your push foot look like? Um, those types of those types of things. So for us, because we like to attack, it starts with that. Whether it's off of a, a, a wing entry, or if it's in transition, or if it's a kick out, you know, is your defender close? Are they closing out? So uh, we work first step every day, and we work it for every position on the floor. Um, even our post kid that plays back to the basket, we work on reverse pivot, face up, where's your first step? Um, because we think in our philosophy, we need to apply pressure um, on the defense. And to do that, we've got to start with our first action. Yeah, and that takes – um, I totally agree. And that takes a lot of work. And tell me your technique there is, I believe, I don't know. I, mean, I don't know if it's my own theory or not, but I believe you have to have ball momentum that you have to rip the ball as you're really stepping hard with that, that step foot to really get that speed of it. How do you all teach that momentum? You know, um, growing up when I heard the word rip, that meant through through your defender's hands, right? You know, through your gut as strong as you could. Um, and, and, and to me, that, that word rip has changed a lot. Can we rip over? Can we rip under? Can we rip through? Um, you know, do we need a rip? Um, all of those types of things. So to, to answer your question most specifically, when we're drilling it, I want their first dribble to be out front and I want to see how far they can actually get. Um, and, and we'll put a, a poly dot down or a cone or a, a, a target basically um, because the, the, the further we can go in one dribble off of one step, the more pressure we can apply. So for us, we work lots of different, you know, movements or momentum creators Um but when it's a go, it's a it's a go. And and you'll hear me clap my hands a lot at practice because I want them to think of a coming out of the blocks or a gun going off at a track meet. That's the explosiveness that we want to have. Um, you see a lot of people today, they shift their feet as they take off. Um, and so we work a lot on the push foot as well. And so for us, um, we, right. we want uh, to use your, your phrase. Um, we want to create that momentum, but we want, we work most specifically on creating it from standstill because if they can go from, from standing still to explosion, then I know they can go from movement to explosion, but you're right. The, the first action of creating has to be strong and confident. So, we try and challenge them different ways. Our, today we're working how far we can get on that first step. Um, tomorrow we're working on that first step and then sealing the defender that you've now beat. And so we've 
we're still working first step and in initial explosion and, and momentum creation, but we're create we're challenging it in different in different ways. Yeah, and of course, I love what you're doing because um, now to me is the perfect time because it's all individual. I had a coach the other day say, "Coach, this is the perfect time for your players. They get to work on individual mm-hmm. techniques, no games, so they can really drill that." And you can drill that and you can mess up, mess up, mess up and not worry about it. But you can really drill those individual techniques like you're doing. I love that. And most kids don't do it because it's not yeah, it's not great fun. Right. I, I, <laughs> I mean, we um, we use a communication app um, where we're constantly talking to the kids, et cetera. And and I try and explain to them, man, when I get a text uh, or a message on this app from a kid that says, hey, coach, look at this video. I'm struggling with blank man, I get so excited because Mm -hmm. one, they have self-assessed that this is not a strength for them. And then they've said, I got to get help. Where do I go to get help for this situation? And, and for high school athletes or, you know, athletes in general, they go to a source that they feel comfortable with. So nothing makes, makes me happier right now than to get that text. Coach, look at this. I'm struggling with this. Can you help me with this? Those types of things. Because it's showing that we're developing um, them as players, but also in their self-awareness. Um, we're, we're really, really lucky at our campus that we have a, a head strength and conditioning coach, um, Kyle Mazakowski. And Coach Moss, um, one of the things that he continues to, to repeat to our kids during this time is, uh, you know, you know, because we'll see, oh, this kid didn't get as many workouts in or or it took him longer this week or, you know, those types of things. And and he says, guys, eventually you're going to come back to the weight room and ev- and eventually I'm going right. to be there waiting for you and I'm going to know. Well, that's the same idea. Eventually, we're going to get back on the court. And eventually your work is going to be shown. So what are you doing right now so that when you get back on the court, you're, you're presenting your, the best you. Yeah, that's a great point. Cause yeah, it, it'll show up when well, we might even, of course, you know, I, I'm pretty sure you know who's doing what, but it'll show up eventually on coach. What's, what's the app um, that you we, guys use? We actually converted um, this spring after the season to an app called sports. You, uh, and sports you um it's it's similar to a a facebook type setting so we can post um Hmm. messages videos photos workouts um our zoom meeting links our individual workouts um athletes can post you know um videos for assessment communications um and so social media is something that our kids know better than we do um, and so this specific app was the closest that that we could find to a social media platform that we felt like, OK, this is something that they they will be comfortable communicating in this style. So let's use this um, to, to, you know, to, to our advantages as as coaches. Yeah, I love that. I'm going to definitely check it out. I appreciate you sharing that. Because uh, I'm always picking up my, of course, my last question was going to be about new resources. But before we go into that, coach, 
tell me how does Todd Monzi run his practices and give me like one or two of your favorite drills. Like I mentioned earlier, we start at the jump circle every day. We open the line of communication every day. And at the, when we leave the jump circle, um, it's, it's time to go to work. But when we leave the jump circle, they know everything that's on the, on the practice plan for that day. They know how long we're going to do it. They know what specific rotations are going to happen. And they know in their mind, okay, this today we're going an hour and 35 minutes. Um, and, and they know the six drills that we're going to do. I think it's important for players to know where we're getting to and know that, man, it doesn't matter how good or bad it is today. We're going to move on and we'll come back to it. Um, we'll continue to assess it. And so um, when kids go into things blind, I, I think they're constantly going, well, I don't know how much longer I'm doing this, so maybe I should save some. <laughs> and so we, you know, I think that establishes right, sure. our immediate culture. Um, because we work out before school, kids got to, kids have to be in the gym between 640 and 645. Um, and so every day our warm up is something different and unique. Um, we may start and press and run at 50% because we want to work rotation, but we don't want to waste 15 minutes on calisthenics. Um, and so our assistant coach, our, my assistant coach, Savannah Thompson handles that 15 minutes. I think coaches have to understand that your, your time on the floor with your players, um, we don't have infinite amount of time and they don't have infinite amount of attention or effort. So how do we, how do we use the amount that we have to get what we want um, out of them? And so we go in, that's every day we start in those two, those two things. And it's, it's the, the, the tempo for practice. And we know right off the bat in that in that initial warm up movement um, setting, are we going to have to pull it out of them today? Are they ready to go? Who's struggling? Who's asleep? You know, oh, it, it gives us initial assessment. Um, and so I, I would right. encourage coaches to make sure your athletes are warm and ready, but do it in a basketball setting um, so that you really know what today's going to look like for yourself. Um when, when I was growing up, my dad would say, uh, on the baseline. And you never knew if you were in trouble or, or if you were just changing, <laughs> if, or if you were changing drills right. on the baseline could mean anything. Yeah. yeah. Um, and sometimes the calmness <laughs> on the baseline resulted in the worst running that you've ever done. Um, and so you couldn't necessarily read demeanor or tone. And so, um, we don't use that phrase ever. Uh, we never say on the baseline. Um, we say timeout. And everybody sprints to the bench every time. Um, it, it enables us to work on our culture of, of in-game things. But we know when that buzzer goes off at the end of the drill, it's now the end of the quarter or there was a timeout called um, or a tap time, et cetera. And so every day we're working eight to 10 times. What does that interaction look like? Well, I was the first one to the bench. So now I have to turn and, and touch hands. Okay. I was the last one or I was the furthest one. I've got to grab the ball, pitch it to a coach like the, it would have been the official and then get to the timeout. You know, those types of things just culturally are really important to us. Um, and so, um, those are some cultural things that we do every day. 
um, drill things that we do. Um, I believe that the game of basketball has to be played for 94 feet. So if you're not drilling things at 94 feet, I mean, we're not going back to half, half court. And so almost all right. of our drills are in the full court. Um, and, and, and we don't, and we don't condition them. Um, we set standards and if they don't meet the standards, then, then they've got whatever, whatever we deem before the drill starts. We never condition out of anger or frustration. We coach at those moments. Um, and so um, our, our athletes understand that philosophy and that mentality that if I work hard for 94 feet for eight drills today, a coach doesn't have to run me after practice or at the end of practice or, or create conditioning drills because we're working our tails off. So every drill we do is, is in the full court or, or, you know, I say everything cause that's ideal world, but for the majority of it, we're in the full court for everything. Um, and then I think the last thing that we do really well at practice um, is that we communicate about when is the time to rest and when is the time to work? Um, every drill you do, even if it's just a one, a, a, a catch and shoot drill with a ball and a partner, they need to understand when I'm in this position, this is my work mode. When I'm in this position, I'm catching my breath, but I'm not letting my teammate fail while I'm catching my breath. Well, in a game of basketball, it's the same thing. I can breathe at the free throw line or, you know, during a timeout, this is how I create rest. So we're trying to teach all of these little moments of, of the game during practice. You know, we tell kids all the time, if, if you're fatigued, become a great screener because, man, you can really make us better by being in one spot, <laughs> at a slow pace in a strong screen. So if you're, if you're fatigued, let's use your sure. fatigue to be a great screen and then roll slow. All right. That's man. That's a great opportunity for you. So everybody's got great drills uh, and we all know what we like and what we do. And, and I steal things here and there, but we spend practice trying to learn all of those little aspects on top of the transition drills, the, you know, those types of things. Uh, yeah. I love that. Yeah. So you're, um, you're, you're more probably about the uh, minute details of something, right? That's what it sounds like. Um, it sounds like you're, you're not teaching drills. Uh, you're teaching a way of play. I mean, this yeah, is almost like you know, a way of this life. Is my for first you guys, year right? at this school, and so they've had to learn a lot. Um, and our staff had to learn a lot. Uh, the staff was already here when I got here. Um, it, it's not like college where you bring everybody in, um, you know, and, and, and so <laughs> what, nice, what huh? I learned was <laughs> coming from a place where everybody knew what to do. I really had to reevaluate how I taught because I couldn't assume they knew because I hadn't communicated it. And so this entire year, I have found myself focused on those smaller ideas. And what, what's been really good is our assistant coaches 
have really bought into that idea. And, and there will be times during a game when, you know, our third assistant will come off the bench and say, coach, so-and-so didn't stand up on that basket. That's what I need to know, you know? And so we've got a group, a, a staff that has now also positioned themselves on those minute details. And I think that's a really important thing. Um, our freshman team looks not quite where our varsity team is, but they're in year one of the program, not in year two, three, four of the program. And so, yeah, it's, it's a way of life for us. Drills, man, you could run the same drill every day, um, but it's how you do it that makes it successful or not. Yes, how you do it. Yeah, so true. And I appreciate the insight, man, and being um, transparent with us. I, that's what I love about doing these podcasts. I learned so much. I learned so much from the insight into your program. Coach, my final question is, um, you just started the program last year at Lone Star. Give somebody now who's going to be starting a new program when, in June, oh, yeah. which is going to be a lot harder, right, Todd? Because you probably can't practice. Um Give somebody some advice on, like what you did, on building that culture, building that staff at you know, a new school. I, it, 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 we keep coming back to the same ideals, but you've got, as, as, a, as a new head coach in a new environment, um, the amount of work that you're going to put forth is going mm -hmm. to be greater than any amount of work that you've put forth so far, because you're the only one that knows what you want <laughs> and you've got to teach everyone from the incoming freshman to the, to the, uh, the varsity assistant. And not only that, but you have to teach your school administrators and your teachers who you are and, and what the program is. And so you better be ready to work and communicate, but above Everything. The thing that I've learned most this year is you've got to love those kids because if you don't love them and they don't feel the way you feel about them, you're not going to get them. They're not going to fully buy in. They're, they're not going to work as hard as they can. You've got to build the relationship that says, I love you and we are doing this together. Um, it is yours and it is theirs. So one, you got to work. And two, man, you got to, you got to love them, love them like crazy. Um, and when you do those two things, the parents see it, the administration sees it, the teachers see it and the students feel it. And that's, what's most important. That gets your ball going in the direction that you want. You can't do it all. But that first year, if you focused on those things, I feel like you can have the most success. Yeah, that's well said, Coach. And I, I think you can't fake that. Yeah, I mean, you either – I mean, you got to really – you can't you can't fake that the kids or the parents. They, they, can, they can see uh, through it. Uh, correct. I mean, you got yeah, to come in. Yeah, this goes back to the yourself of you as an individual. You want leaders to be authentic to who they are. You got to be authentic to who you are. You can't try and be something you're not. I can't go be Coach K <clears throat> or another coach 
in the state of Texas that's had lots of success. I just got to be the best me that I can be um, and, 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 and show them who it is because that's ultimately what you want them to be. You want them to become the best them that they can be. I love it. I love it. And I've had a lot of good uh, – I don't know if you've seen all the Texas coaches. I feel like Man, I'm on the Texas Coaches listen, Association. I'm um, lucky to work here, and um, <laughs> I've really been blessed to be to work for some really amazing coaches. Um, I've, wor- I've worked for three great female coaches <laughs> that have taught me so much. But, man, I have to coach every night uh, to my best ability um, – or we're going to get beat because these coaches here in Texas, man, they, they work at it and they require you to be, they require you to be at your best. Yeah. Uh, when you have to coach against the Joe Lombards of the world or the Terry Morrison's, the Kit Mark, the Kit Martins, um, the Jeff Williams, yeah, for sure. um, you, you, you've got, you've got to be putting in the work and you've got to challenge yourself. Yeah, and it sounds like you're really up to the challenge, Coach. You're building a great program there, and I, I appreciate you coming on and sharing with me. Thank, thanks for taking the time out. Sure appreciate it. Yeah. Um, um, how can the listeners man, um, get a hold of you? Probably the easiest way, you know, it, it sounds funny, um, but um, everybody, it seems like, has a basketball program on Twitter right now, so it's just Todd Muncy. It's just Todd Muncy, T-O-D-D-M-O-N-S-E-Y, um, and um, you can shoot me a text. I love, love, love texting and, and, and FaceTiming with coaches about things. Um, and, um, Kevin, we can put that info up or I can say it now, whatever's easiest for you. Um, but I'll put it up. I'll put it up. But you, if you want to yeah. say it too, coach, I'll, I'll, I'll add this on yeah, the, so um, just, um, on the podcast. And everything for sure. Six, five, two, two, six, six, zero. Um, if, if everything we do, I've stolen from somebody. <laughs> And so, so I hope, I hope people have been able to steal something from me. Um, We're all doing these zoom meetings and online learnings right now. And uh, uh, hopefully somebody came away with one thing. And and if you want to talk more, I'd love to do it. Um, I tell people all the time, if you want to, if you want to grow in who you are, explain who you are, teach how you teach and let people ask questions and dissect it. Um, great staffs are great because assistant coaches are constantly asking questions um, because they want to grow their knowledge and they want you to make sure that you're growing yours. Um, so, yeah, I'd love to talk to anybody. Yeah, Coach, thanks for sharing the game, man. I really appreciate it. I think you're going to get a lot of people contacting you. So I wish you, your family, and everybody at your school Kevin, the best. Kevin, thank you so much so for the stay healthy out there I've, in I've Texas. had a great time, and, and now, that, um, now that we've made this connection, I've had an opportunity to listen to some bo- podcasts. So thank you for growing our game. I think it's so important, and, and um, what you're doing is, is much needed, and I appreciate it. All right. We'll Thank soon. you, Todd, for sharing that, sharing the game with us. All right. Take care now. Wish you the best. Thank you. Hey, this is NBA skills coach Drew Hanlon of Pure Sweat Basketball, and I've been working hard to build an online basketball school to help players and coaches. I'd love for you to check it out at puresweatbasketball.com. Hey, coaches, this is Brad Hillegas, content producer at Huddle for the NBA, NCAA Division I, and high school basketball. I'm a big fan of Coach Furtado's podcast, Championship Vision. 
because it connects coaches around the country that want to continue learning and growing our beloved game. The X's and O's, coaching philosophy, teaching principles, they're all here. And that's a mission that we're working on at Huddle as well. More than 160,000 teams, including the best in the world, use Huddle to elevate their performance with video. But our collection of online tools is much more than that. Mobile desktop apps, smart cameras, video editing, data analytics software, the list goes on. But our goal is to help coaches like you teach the game in a modern way, whether that's connecting with your athletes, communicating your game plan, or looking to gain a competitive edge. If you want to see how Huddle can help your program, visit Huddle.com. That's H-U-D-L.com to learn more. And of course, keep listening to the Championship Vision podcast to never stop learning. Hey, this is NBA skills coach Drew Hanlon of Pure Sweat Basketball, and you are listening to the Championship Vision podcast.